Well, Tyler, can you hear Tanya's fish tank? The fish tank in the background? I don't hear it, but I don't hear anything. I've got my I, I just turned my headset up all the way and I don't hear it. Okay. Okay, cool. Because yeah. we got a new fish. We got the fish tank set back up again after I murdered my lovely fish that we'd had for like four years. I introduced a, a new plant against Julie's better judgment. And, uh, she wiped him out. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know that was the cause of it until we lost like four other fish after that mm. that we deduced, which is really... It was kind of like uh, Lamb Chops. It's the song that doesn't end. But instead, it was just the the fish that always died. <laughs> These are the fish that always die. <laughs> They're never gonna stay alive. So, so we started like pulling stuff out and having it tested by the fish people, and uh, it was deduced that it was the plant. You endanger uh, girl. And then, uh, and then that pissed me off so bad we didn't have the fish tank running for quite some time. But a couple months ago, we we got. Freddie Mercury and Gary the Snail. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's kind of funny because he's like a goldfish, but he's like he's got, gold and black. He looks like a tiger. Oh, nice. El Tigre. <laughs> and he's got like a little mustache. And I was like, we need to name him something that has like a mustache. And I couldn't think of anything. And I, I said something at work to one of my coworkers. He was like, you should name him Freddie Mercury. And then I was like, oh, that's genius, because sometimes you have to worry about fish that has mercury in it. <laughs> so. yep. And he wants to break free. <laughs> I want to break free. <laughs> oh, man. I want to break free. We should do a video montage of Freddie and, and that song. <laughs> and then Gary. Oh, because the snail, we, we named him Gary, and then he can just be all slithering by. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! I can't hear you! Aye, aye, Captain! Oh! Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? We listened to uh, the 1619 podcast. Yeah. The New York Times did a like a special. They kind of like, they'll do that. They'll run it through the daily podcast, but it'll be also its own channel and its own show. So that one was called 1619 and it was about like slavery and, and all that fun stuff. <laughs> oh, sounds super cheerful. Right? That sounds amazing. Well, I mean, it is Martin Luther King Day, and, yep. you know, one of the uh, last uh, black women to go to an all-white school for the first time has just turned 65, and so people obviously still aren't getting it, and so... Yep. The cool thing about the podcast in particular is that for people who don't get it and are willing to attempt to educate themselves, it kind of breaks down a lot of the systemic history behind what is still believed to be current oppression of a second class citizen. You know, they talk about, for example, when everyone was emancipated, that uh, they were just let free to go and there was no place for them to reside. So, well, some white people have chosen to believe, well, some people stayed behind because they really liked their job and liked having a roof over their head and food in their stomach. 
they enjoyed being slaves. Yeah, <laughs> i.e. they other folks had no place to go and was just living out in the wild. And when I think either, either polio, no, chicken pox or something, a disease came through because everyone had low immune systems, they were dropping dead. And in some states, there were so many of them dropping dead, the bodies actually littered the streets. Oh, God. People are just walking down the street and be all like, hey, I'm dead now. It's like it's like <laughs> the plague all over again. Yeah. Bring out your dead! Bring out your dead! <laughs> Basically. So, you know, okay, so that happens. The reason they said everybody was dropping like flies was because they were black people. They were weaker to the white man. That's why they were being plagued with these diseases. But it was because they had nowhere to live. And not because of their genetics. Yeah, it's almost like poverty, you know, exacerbates a situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just were considered an inferior race, and this was just part of natural selection and them going extinct. So everybody's dropping dead on the streets. They're littering the streets. And, of course, that in itself is creating more diseases and health concerns. So to rectify this problem, the United States government, for a brief period of time, opened up hospitals specifically to combat this issue. Mm. While they did that, and there was a place for all of these folks to go, besides being out in the open in the street, they had only about 100 doctors on staff. They typically didn't have the resources available to take care of these needy people at hand. And when you look at the statistics based off of 4 million people being released all at once compared to how many hospitals were available, they, I mean, they were fighting a losing battle right out of the gate. It was like the, the gun went off and everybody else got to run a lap before they did. And that's kind of the way it's been for a very long time. Yeah. I wonder, did, I don't recall this being said, but how did they manage... Like when they were slaves, what did they do when the slaves were sick? <laughs> I would hate well, to. They I would hate to think of or it. Or they weren't. They probably. They probably them. weren't getting at. It probably wasn't as much of a problem because even though they were being held captive, they were given food and shelter. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that disappeared was the food and shelter, right? Right. Well, they they the the thing is is the disease that they caught was something that that everybody was you know, had the potential to catch. It's just they were all residing together all at once. But when, when a slave... Yeah, so sanitation yeah. went down. So, but when when slaves were released and they were sick, they just worked them to death. It was no, di it was no yeah. different than the Holocaust. Well, I yep. mean, you can't squeeze blood from a turnip, but you sure can try. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's like, you know, it's like, they probably just probably treat them like livestock like like yeah. you, you feed them and you keep them as healthy as possible until the point it's like ah whatever we'll just get a new one you know what was interesting too is we have you seen that show finding your roots no i have not it's on pbs i believe yeah and we were watching that the other day and it was sterling k brown he's the actor from this is us oh he's mm. from st louis yeah and then they did uh, Sashir, I can never pronounce that chick's name, Sashir Zameda, is that? Yeah, 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 I think you got it. It's pretty close. <laughs> Sterling Brown, Sashir Zameda, and then the guy from, which was it the Colbert show? Yeah. What is his name? Good looking. John <laughs> What's good Batista. Looking? Yeah, he is good looking. So John Batista, so it was an all African-American 
group, usually what they do is they, they choose three people, their actors or musicians or some prominent person, mm. and then they kind of go down, like, they take a deep dive into their family tree. Oh, okay. And so this was, you know, the, the three of these these folks, and what was crazy was the way that the white man got slaves here and tracked them it was like livestock you were essentially a number you weren't really a person and your last name was essentially your slave owner's name it wasn't your surname like that was long gone some Mm. of them got names but what was interesting about this episode was they were able to track two of them all the way back was it, it was just two of them, right, Tanya? All the way back to their slave records. Yeah. When their ancestor yeah. had come over, and which was crazy because I guess that was just such a rare, rare thing. Even rarer yeah. was to be to 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 find your lineage going all the way back and have proof that you actually originated from Africa, which is what happened. But yeah, so they, you know, it was the the three of these folks they were able to track it back. And like Tanya said, the rare thing was that they were able to track it back to prove that they came from Africa. No, just one of them. Mm. Oh, it was just Sterling Brown. Yes. Who they were able to track to Africa. The others, they were able to track that they came here, but not necessarily from where. Speaking of depressing stories, you know, it's depressing to them too, to have to continuously have this thing that's grappling them and keeping folks from moving forward and during the show most of them pretty much stayed pretty calm you know it's not uncommon for folks who watch the show or excuse me for participants of the show to kind of be emotional about it I mean you're you're going all the way back and you're like it makes you see the bigger picture of life right yeah but Sterling unfortunately you know when or fortunately rather when when he got to the page where it said that he came from Africa it just was so expansive for him it was really sad because you know these people don't can't find their roots because it's so hard because the names have changed or because they've been murdered or you know there wasn't yeah there weren't like you said they weren't really keeping logs and track of everybody so it's like yeah really easy for all that information just to disappear what they did keep track of though is is for the guy from louisiana what is his name julie john Batiste. What they did find out for John Batiste is that, you know, one member of his family was an infant and sold, and his value was $200. Damn. Right? Isn't that crazy? But to this day, you could still buy a black person for $400. That's a real thing. Oh, humanity is the best. Way to go, humanity. We're, we're winning. Also, <laughs> also, what the fuck, humanity? Yeah, but see, okay. but so even though we're depressed, at least we can still help fight fight the fight. You gotta you gotta keep fighting the fight because they've been fighting it a long, long, oh, long yeah. time, long time. Yeah, it's one of those. It's never. It's sadly, it's gonna be a. Well, yeah, it's gonna be. A, it's been a long fight. It's gonna be an even longer fight because. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us now. Because now it's breaking down to the fact that everybody is, most folks are waking up to the fact that color isn't really the issue here. No. It's the haves and haves nots. Yep. But America's done it. We've actually, we've actually elected an internet troll as our president. <laughs> the whites are furious. We've never seen anything like it. I haven't seen white people with this man since O.J. Burke. There's a split screen with white people on both sides. Ah! So I'm staying out of it. 
just gonna take a knee like Kaepernick and let the whites figure this out amongst themselves. <laughs> because for us, you know what I mean? We've been here before. We've been here before. Yeah, well, that's always kind of been the... There's always been, like, a lot of talk about the real problem is not... You know, basically, they're just pitting us, pitting us against each other so exactly. we don't actually look at the real threat. Yeah. The real yeah. threat is the top. The top that's... that has everything that is just exploiting us and letting us just fight each other so they can just keep profiting. Yeah, right? It's like that episode of the Twilight Zone where... Mm. God, what is that episode called? Where they have... Like the aliens come down and they go to a neighborhood and they turn off the power of like they just wipe it out. They make it a dark neighborhood. Mm. So they have no power, no electricity, no phone line, no no television, no nothing. So all these people in this neighborhood come out. Provided to you by PGD. Yeah. <laughs> they, all, all of these this this neighborhood comes out and they're like essentially slowly pitting one another against each other because they're like, you're the traitor. No, you're the traitor. And... Understand the procedure now. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find, and it's themselves. Then I take it this place is not unique. By no means. Their world is full of maple streets. And we'll go from one to the other and let them destroy themselves. The tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices. For the record, prejudices can kill. And a thoughtless, frightened search for a scapegoat has a fallout all of its own. And the pity of it is that these things cannot be confined to the twilight zone. And it was pretty fucked up because I was like, damn, that's true. <laughs> yep. Well, a very, a very similar story. And because I'm from St. Louis, I have lots of racist people in my family. And one of the stories that is commonly told is there were sections of Missouri where they deliberately cut off the police force and then kind of surrounded the area, so to speak, just kind of heavily patrolled a parameter around and mm. the goal was for them to turn on each other it was done by design that's a fact Jeez, yeah that's pretty crazy so you have years and years of that and then you don't hire folks you refuse to hire them or they go through these programs that you so much hate like the things like affirmative action and go see they're still not moving up but the problem is, is that you have Ivy League graduates and you aren't playing with them. You're not allowing them to play in the club. So it's almost like it doesn't matter what you do. And that's what folks are starting to feel like or have been feeling like that no matter what I do, I'm not going to move up. But just I, I think people should just start ignoring them altogether. Just fuck them. Yeah. Screw that shit. Just burn it all down. <laughs> that's my headspace these days. Yeah, that's not healthy either. But. But yeah, I mean, in case, in case you needed healthy. to know, it's just like, but I just keep looking at the tire fire that is society. And yeah, it's like, well, I mean, uh, but again, gosh. they've been dealing with it a lot longer. And on the plus side, yeah. they're not dropping dead on the streets like they used to. So there is change and people need to remember mm. that that change is, in fact, actually happening. But it's 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 starting to seem like 
people are caring less and less. And that that's when it becomes that's why it needs to be a topic of conversation. Well, we could also start dropping in the streets again because all the anti-vaxxers. But that's oh, a different I've, story. I've got tie in <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Let's get let's get back to that. But hey, I wanted to take a a side note and do our fuck Mary kill if that works. Who are we fucking who are we marrying? Who Tony, are we killing? Are you good? I mean, I'm down, right? No. All right. Well, for our fuck Mary kill, I am going with the Rubik's cube. Yep. Pong and Simon. Oh, well two of those are pretty colorful. Mhm. <laughs> I like that paddle action on the other one though. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's your thing. <laughs> nope. Oh, sweet, sweet Pong. <laughs> <laughs> so simple, so fun. So simple, so I'll, fun. I guess I'll start us off. Um, I think I'm going to marry Simon because when I was a kid, I loved the fuck. I had like one Simon, the classic one. Oh, yeah. And I played the shit out of it. And I loved Simon for some reason. It was just the memorization and then like the, you know, increased speeds and crap like that. Yeah, I had one to the point where like the the bulbs had burned out. Oh. Like, <laughs> so some, some, like at one point I realized like one it would like make a beep noise, the but like the bulb game. the bulb wouldn't go off. So I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> You're like, it's it's not true. I hit the. It. <laughs> yep. So yeah, yeah. So I had to adapt to like pressing the pressing the button, <laughs> like remembering which the one that didn't go off. Like, okay, oh. I have to press that one. The blue. <laughs> I, think, oh. I think it was like but green or something like that. probably built your skill set even more. Yeah. He was like, and that's what made me a fucking genius today. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just made me a gamer these days. Right. <laughs> it was just that pattern memorization, because right, that's right, all right. video games are, is just memorizing patterns and, and reactions. And good reward. Yep. You get a little beep, beep, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the, neg- the negative response sound on that was very, very disheartening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, like, when you got that, you like you felt it in your soul. Yeah, like, you're like, oh. you fucking loser. <laughs> but the rewarding sound was all, it was just the equivalent of the colors, too, because then it was all, it was like, yes, I'm awesome. Yeah, it's really actually. That, now you, you point that out, I, I do think about that. It's like really good like sound design, reinforcing like, oh, I, I did the right thing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, that was pretty. I mean, when did when did Simon come out? The 70s or 60s, I think. Yeah. 1978. Ooh. Oh, okay. You so, said yeah. you were going to marry that one? Is yes, I'm going to marry Simon. Okay. I'm going to fuck Pong because my first system I ever owned was an Atari. Oh, yeah. And Pong, of course, was just you know you own Atari, you you own Pong, <laughs> and it's always you know it's always fun. It's 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 a really simple game, but it's a fun. It's basically just table ping pong, right, right. <laughs> and then I'm gonna kill Rubik's cubes because I could never do it. <laughs> I always I'd always try to do Rubik's cubes, but I sucked at it, and I just I'd get pissed at it. Isn't that funny about Rubik's cube? Because I kind of pride myself on being able to solve puzzles. One of the things that I was really, really good at doing was solving visual puzzles and to the point where like kind of would trip people out. But I could never fucking figure out a Rubik's Cube. Not not for a fucking solid second. I just could never yeah, figure it out. Yeah, same here. Yeah, well, I, I, think I, the always, difference I always struggled. Is it's more math than a puzzle, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that. Well, math we'll is a puzzle. That. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, but but a visual puzzle. It's not. It's not like a memory game. But you know, there might be some validity to that because when you look at it, it looks like it's going to be a visual puzzle. But to a great degree, I guess you're probably right. It probably is less visual than it is. The visual is the reward. So it says mathematically, the Rubik's cube is a permutation group. It has six different colors and each color is repeated exactly nine times so the cube can be considered as an ordered list which has 54 elements with numbers between one and six each number meaning a color being repeated nine times so i my attention span is the reason why i couldn't figure it out (laughs) (laughs) or their lack of but it's because it's because the only way to solve that is mathematically it has a mathematical structure but the cool thing about simon is that it would speed up and speed up and for somebody like me the faster it got the fucking more i fucking loved it i was like "Eh, eh, 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 yeah eh, you start eh." focusing that much more yeah it's like tetris like the last like couple like you know the last few rounds of tetris and you're getting really high up there in levels and it's like the music increases and like everything's just dropping (laughs) super fast and you just get like (laughs) 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 that's really funny i loved tetris that was cool oh yeah now tetris is another wonderful little puzzle game the great thing about tetris is is that you have to be a proactive thinker because what you do in the middle of it really kind of dictates what you have statistically on average towards the end of it to get to the top yeah yeah, no, so you basically if, if you paint yourself into a corner yeah. a lot of the times, yeah. like especially when you start like you're off by like one little square mm-hmm. and one piece doesn't land where you want it to, and it like just fucks up yeah. the whole thing. Game right, I would do that. I would stop the game right then and there. I would like do it, and then yeah. I, and then I would go, "You fucking ding dong." <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I've totally done that in Tetris where, like, you know, it's like you see that, uh, okay, I'm not going to win this. So I just start slamming pieces straight down just to make a vertical pile to get to the just top to get just out, to right? lose. I've done that yeah. too. <laughs> so you're killing the Rubik's Cube, right? Oh, yep. yeah, he's murdering I'm it. Yep. Yeah. I'm murdering it. How are you killing the Rubik's Cube? Yeah, yeah, I think Julie's onto something. <laughs> I'd like fire. to know. <laughs> fire, all right. <laughs> I was trying to think of voice I could destroy, like with a, like you know, compressing it with like some kind of like stick it in a vice, you know, some masher, just just, yeah. just pop it like Joe Pesci in Casino. You made me fucking pop yeah. your eye out for that. I got your head in a fucking vice. I'm gonna squash your fucking head like a grapefruit. You don't give me a name. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think like I can I can throw it the ground, but it's just it's just gonna bounce off. Right, right. right. You're like, no, I'm gonna throw that bitch in a flaming heap of. Well, yeah, it's just <laughs> yep. it's just gonna bounce off that corner and hit me back in the fucking face or the shin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Insult to injury. Yeah, so it's a fire, all, all the fire, death by all fire, all the fire. <laughs> you know, you could take that wonderful trip to the gates of hell and bring your Rubik's yeah. cube with you. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, party Satan. Of, party of one. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Tanya? What? Who? Who would you fuck, Mary kill? I would. Well, I mean, I'm definitely killing the Rubik's cube. I fucking hated that thing. Aesthetically, it's like it, when they're put all together. It's like I love it. Like the uniformity of it. Even mm-hmm. even when the colors don't match, it still aesthetically is this very very appealing thing. But yeah, yeah, it's cool looking, but it's frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> I you, I drop kick that bitch into the river. No way in hell. <laughs> it's gone. Fun fact: My dad can actually solve the Rubik's cube. Oh, nice. that is not really surprising. He used to be able to do it. I don't know if he still could, but he used to be able to solve it in like really short number of moves. Like he figured it out once and then he retained yeah, it. Yeah, I bet. And was all, doot, 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 doot. 
So how would you kill the Rubik's Cube, Tony? You know, how would I do it? You know what's really fun are black cats. <laughs> Strap some black cats. You to know, I really feel like I could wedge some, I could even like get all like weird and shit and like carve the bottoms of them down a bit and just oh, plug them in the corners of the squares. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then you'd have to like tie all the wicks together to have one long wick so I could just watch it go... <laughs> yeah that thing i fucking hated that thing mm. simon and then pong you know yeah. i i i had an original simon my favorite person in the whole wide world was my aunt and she had a simon and as she matured and was on to bigger and better things, a lot of her things were left behind at the house. And one of the things that was there was her Simon game. And one year for Christmas, I got it. <laughs> so nice. Oh, you got regifted? Yeah. Well, she. Knew, but it was the best regift. She she knew that like I always liked it, and that it was like this like I this like yeah. huge focus for me for whatever reason, and. I hadn't seen it in a while. One year I got it for Christmas. So that's awesome. I still to this day have it. I haven't played it in a while though. Maybe you should check and make sure the lights haven't gone out. Yeah, no shit. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably got a battery in there melting away, honestly. All right. <laughs> I get to whip these D's out. D's. <laughs> also, could be used as a weapon if in a crush. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no, I'd have to definitely marry Simon. I just loved that game. It was just awesome for me. And just, I mean, it, for me, it was like, it was a well-rounded game. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I so get it, because it's a pong. circle. It's <laughs> 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 funny. Nice, nice. Uh, so you're fucking Pong, huh? Well, yeah, I'm fucking Pong because, you know, who doesn't like a couple of paddles and a round ball getting bounced back and forth? Fuck it. Let's do it. No. <laughs> Sounds like a name of a sex tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two paddles and a ball. <laughs> paddles and a ball. Apparently my sex tape. Good going, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> Way to get yourself out there. <laughs> I mean, if this does, if this podcast doesn't work out, apparently there might be a, a new uh, a new gig for marketing a new a new gig for me and a uniballer. That's fantastic, teabagging. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking more of a marketing aspect, but uh, of naming films. However, if you want to partake, if, if teabagging's your thing, and two paddles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for me, this is this is a rough one because. My association with Simon wasn't the best. I threw it at a wall. <laughs> Which is why she knows you can use it as a weapon. He's going to fling it real hard like a Frisbee. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, that's because I had an older brother. I knew exactly what could and couldn't be used as a weapon and how quickly I had to eject myself from a situation. <laughs> nice. Everything's a weapon if you try hard enough. <laughs> right, exactly. But for me, I would always get in trouble and my punishment was I got sent, I think it was like probably second grade. I would get, second or third grade, I would get in trouble and get sent into the fifth grade classroom 
to that would be my time out that's where they would send the little kids so because that was supposed to be intimidating in some way shape or form what was the negative response they're looking for i i don't know i guess it was just for somebody else to watch me <laughs> i'm not sure i can't take this kid we're anymore. gonna put you out of your element damn it <laughs> julie's like sweet a new audience yay <laughs> pretty much so i would go in there and then they would have me go sit in the corner where all the games were and then it would always i must have known like what time game time was or something and knew that if I screwed off I'd get kicked out and I'd get to go play game time with the big kids that is that is <laughs> cunning Julie that's some cunning shit there <laughs> I had no idea I had no idea it was just what I felt at the time that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking now I'm, looking back on this because I was always in there and I was playing Simon that was the game that I was playing however I have not ever been strong at memorization, even as a child, so it was very frustrating to me. So it doesn't have the best connotation. Same with Rubik's Cubes, though. I did figure out how to solve it. I would pull the stickers off and then put them back uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> I would meticulously put them back on. <laughs> so that might not hat. be a really good idea for a, a long, loving, and trusting relationship. <laughs> However... <laughs> I think it could be good for a fuck. So I think I'll I think I'll fuck the Rubik's cube because Oh man, that's that's some it's so pointy though. That's some <laughs> that's some serious harsh edges to that. Harsh edges. Oh I mean Well no you know, no, no 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 no. The corners were kind of rounded off. <laughs> Still though. I mean we're talking about the bits of anatomy if you're gonna be fucking it. It's not gonna be pleasant. <laughs> Maybe maybe it's just like one of those. Who are you to judge? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to yuck your yum. I'm just saying that looks problematic to me. <laughs> He's all whatever sinks your ship. <laughs> yep. I was actually going to say maybe it's like a Michael Jackson situation and I just need to look at it from a distance. Oh. But... <laughs> oh. <laughs> that'll, that'll just be for oh. us. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I think uh, I think I might actually have to marry Pong, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill Simon just for the the ease of not having to keep track of which fucking button in which order and speeding up and just slow slow your roll. Just give me the paddle, and I just want the little boop boop <laughs> boop. That's my idea of a marriage right now. I want I want this the slow and steady. <laughs> The slow sachet of tossing the ball back and forth. Exactly, it's like a harmony. It's like a, a it's like a. It's waltz. like a, a little duet, like a little dance. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Doctor Tyler, how much do we owe you for this marriage therapy? <laughs> uh, I accept beer. And I accept weed. beer. <laughs> awesome. And I would always hear the really negative reinforcing sound from Simon and that just, <laughs> just crushes my soul <laughs> it haunts me to this day I wake up in a cold sweat <laughs> hearing that sound <laughs> Simon <laughs> it's like the old GPS units yeah exactly turn. Yep. I said turn here bitch no, fuck you bitch I'm not turning there who do you know why do you keep bossing me around you don't know me <laughs> don't tell me how to run my life <laughs> But yeah, a fun little fact about Simon and Pong, my stepdad grew up next to the inventor of both games. That is true. Oh, so wow. he was one of the first people to play both of those games because the guy was like an engineer and he was developing these games and, you know, he had kids and the kids in the neighborhood all hung out and my stepdad 
really bonded with him. And actually, my stepdad ended up becoming an engineer greatly because of that guy. So, but they had recently in the Smithsonian, they created an exhibit that was featured in Pong and. The Museum of the Moving Image? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it was. I think there might have been something with the Smithsonian as well, but I think what you're referencing is, is yeah, the Moving Images. Yeah, Museum. the Museum of the Moving Image has like original Pong game setups in there as one of their exhibits. And they're beautiful. They're all beautiful because they're at like each different stage. It's like seeing like old video of IBM computer or uh, an mm. Apple computer where it's like wood on the outside. It's like oh, it's fuck. it's like a fucking Moog synthesizer and it yeah. <laughs> you know and it's this this bare bones and so and it just over time like the development from an aesthetic standpoint it's beautiful. The Smithsonian had it in 2012 so it's been a while they had like a, a thing but the mu- the museum of the motion image has a lot of that kind of stuff on the regular it's ac- that's actually one of my favorite museums that was if a pretty cool museum. queens it's a it is the one to go to but yeah so nice it's funny when i was looking up simon it said you also we recommend this is a search and this image for frogger came up and i just i was looking at it and i was like oh, frogger. that's a really fucked up image <laughs> for like the the box art for uh, the game uh, <laughs> uh, uh. it's like this poor frog is about to die like oh fuck you know what i always wanted did how, what what year was your Simon? Was it like one of the old ones, like the first one? It wasn't like the old one. I can't remember which one. It was one of the newer ones because uh, I was playing in the 80s, so it wasn't like the original Simon. Oh, I, yeah, because we, we have a little bit of an age difference. On the original box, it had advertisement for a two-player Simon. It was rectangle, and you would have the the different colored buttons on each side, and you would duel mm. each other. I always wanted that Simon because I was like, crazy. "That's fucking rad." I'd have to pull up a, a box from the seventies or something. Oh, I guess this video games collection, arcade classics, only ran in twenty sixteen at the Museum of the Motion Image. So I don't oh, know where the, all the pong stuff Super is. Super Simon. Now. Does that sound right? Ooh, that sounds. Here, I'll send you the image real quick. It looks kind of like what you're talking about. Oh, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, oh, that's crazy. It's more square. Yeah, it's like square, but it's like a, it's like a dueling Simon. Come on, I'm with you. <laughs> it says what a nerd I am that I went for dueling of the fates from Star Wars. The da, da, da. <laughs> what a weirdo she is for <laughs> for, for bringing it yep. down to uh, what's that movie? <laughs> Deliverance. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dueling, dueling banjos is good, too. That's pretty impressive. I mean, not the movie, but the, the banjo part. <laughs> <laughs> the movie was just upsetting. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's totally it. That's funny. Yeah, it's more square, so you can sit on both sides of the paddle. I guess it's Simon Super, or Super Simon. I wonder if this came out before or after Battleship, because that's kind of the point of Battleship was like a two-player game. So they were like, oh, hey, we can let's redo this and make more money. <laughs> I'm looking at the, when Battleship came out. <laughs> but yeah, my stepdad's neighbor, I guess, worked for, was it Hasbro that created mm-hmm. Simon? I think it was and Hasbro, I believe yeah. they were in, where is Hasbro? Hasbro's in Rhode Island, I think. Yeah, here you go. Simon, the inventor inventors he was one of the inventors was ralph h bear b-a-e-r 
Hasbro, which was Milton Bradley. That's totally cool. Simon is an electronic game of memory skills invented by Ralph H. Baer and Howard J. Morrison, working for toys, d- toy design firm Marvin Glass and as- Associates with software programming by Lenny Coop. The device creates a series of tones and lights and requires a user to repeat the sequence, and it was introduced in 1978. You should look up Lenny Coop. I bet that guy's got an interesting story, because the sound and the visual is so fucking meticulously well thought out. Yeah, right. I'm, I was just looking up uh, Battleship too, and apparently it's been around. There used to be a pen and paper game done in the 1930s. It was actually oh, really? created by the French. That's fucking rad. Is a French game called the bunch of words I can't pronounce. I'll, I'll send you the link to that. Voulez-vous les bec- I'll, let, I'll let the French le- person actually pronounce that. Oh no. Oui, oui, ho, it's basically, strate- it's basically Stratego, but like it's, yeah, apparently it's it's been around since the 30s and then in 67, Milton Bradley oh, made it into a plastic it. game. Yeah. That's I interesting. I fucking love that game. That was great. And I obviously- Oh, Battleship? Yeah, it's fuck fun. yeah. You suck my Battleship. Yep. <laughs> Where does it say the Frenchie part? And the Battleship link I sent on history. This game of Battleship is thought to have origins in a French oh, game. Oh, from La, la... Oh, la... <laughs> It's like essentially the attack. La attique. Yeah. Attique. A-T-T-A-Q-I can't pronounce it either. La tour. La duke. Le tac of the play the game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have to say, while this is all very interesting, I'm I'm so glad I didn't have to play the paper game and I got more of like the visual and like the blockade thing and like the idea that you're like your your opponent is sitting right across from you and just right on the other side of that. I could just flip that fucking over and know what's going on, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I like was the electronic version of Battleship. Because oh, yeah, that that's the one I had as a kid. Yeah. Like the one that had noises as it well. It was all <laughs> or you'd get a dud and be all me <laughs> yep no it was just a little more gratifying to hear an explosion but oh um, my god there's a star wars battleship oh jeez. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kind of looking around the image search that's on star wars battleship but, oh my that's god that's really cool actually <laughs> when did that come out it looks like it came out fairly recently because it's got uh, Kylo Ren's face on it. Oh, cool. So it's probably part of the new trilogy. $47. Holy shnikes. Yep. But free shipping. That's kind of cool. Oh, but you know what? It's kind of lame also because they're still the same shapes. They just lifted them and <laughs> With, like, put little models 3D prints <laughs> of, of them on there. So it's not like a bigger diameter for, for these. I mean, it's still cool, but... Yeah. It, they're still using the same footprint. Bastards. But Tyler, you had mentioned something about Rubik's Cube that you had stumbled upon. Yeah. In the World Wide yeah. Web. So let me pull this up. I was I was too busy looking at Star Wars Battleship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does look pretty cool. <laughs> I am very easily distracted. It's the ADD. So the, there's a reference to basically any Rubik's Cube can be solved in about 19 to 20 moves. Oh, okay. So like it's it's like we were talking about math like a Rubik's cube is a mathematician's game and they love it. There's a reference to uh, God's number, which any cube enthusiast will already know is the maximum number of moves required to solve any of the forty-two. What is it? Oh million, God, that? million. Well, yeah, yeah million. How, million. 
Why'd they even yeah. write all those numbers out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It says down lower, 490 million. Oh, quint- 43 quintillion it, possible it, yeah. combinations. It's a variety of nerd, Julie, to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know so a yeah, quintillion existed. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's getting up there. As well as like looking, I was like, I that's past trillion. I'm I'm, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> right, right, right. Abort, abort. <laughs> I don't know where we're going. We're going to un- unmarked territory. It's like the ocean; it just never ends. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So so despite like the absurd amount of combinations you can make with it, it can apparently be solved in twenty moves. And I I don't get how that works. <laughs> I don't. Right. So. Do they? T- There's a link to uh, it's called cube20.org, and that apparently I was kind of scanning through that, and it teaches you how you can basically break it down. And oh. I was lost after reading it. Oh, uh, break it down. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. And wow, these are people who have been able to solve it between 22 and 52 moves. Yeah. Wow. Is From there 1981 so, yeah. to 2010? Not to be racist, but why is a white person pictured? Isn't it usually the Asians that do this? Aren't <laughs> <Yep. laughs> Asians math? Well, yeah, that's interesting. So, what is so God's number? They're just coining that phrase because it's the shortest amount to do it. Yeah, God's number. Yeah, it's it's referring more to the maximum possibility versus the minimum to complete the puzzle so there's a you know the maximum combination versus how long it will take you to fix it or solve the puzzle okay god's number is being able to find the shortest sequence of moves to solve any scrambled sequence which could have thousands of times more powerful than its own this is the worst description I've ever read off the internet. Honestly, Julie, it's exactly how I feel when I'm trying to put a Rubik's Cube together. Just, oh. <laughs> it says, what is God's number Rubik's Cube? That number is 20. So that's why that, that's why it's the cube 20. Is that what I'm gathering? See, that's why we're killing, <laughs> killing the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I think we should make a video commercial of us trying to put a Rubik's Cube together. Oh, this sounds like, yeah. <laughs> Watch me take the stickers off. Just, just just us sitting on a park bench, maybe somewhere in Santa Cruz. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to, like, come in with a packaged one, already, you know, with all the pieces in the right spot, just, like, open it and put it down. I'm going to have a 500 brick of black cats and set it off in the middle of Santa Cruz and wait for the police to be called. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Popsi also has an article... 20 moves proven enough to solve any Rubik's Cube position. They talk about, it's like essentially the same article that you shared, Tyler. But actually better written. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Do you guys remember the other thing? It was kind of like a Rubik's Cube, but it was flat. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, were you like... Are you talking about like where you had to create like an image or something like? It was a chain link. Is that what you're talking about? I think so. It was gray. Oh, I think maybe it was this. Here, let me send it to you. Well, they had a black one too i think i had one of those and actually i was better at doing that i never completed it i completed one side it had those ones where it was like kind of like it was like a square like plastic pieces was it this oh no it's not that yeah i've never played that one there it is they had a triangle one too they had like two i had totally forgotten about that until you said something that's a trip 
we had that, but then there was like a. I wonder if they just made different versions of this or something. Maybe. I could never fucking figure that thing out either. But the 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 thing with this Tyler is it was connected by fishing wire in the inside of it, so oh, it was okay. like a engineering fucking marvel quite frankly as far as like a, a puzzle was concerned <laughs> on a real low budget right they were able to like make tons of money off this fucking thing you would flip them in and out and that's how so at some point they would be it would be like a, a fucking brick but then you'd have to flip it all back out again and see what your color yeah, match was I'll, this was the picture this is what i remember seeing the most because it was this picture here i just facebooked you guys yeah <laughs> but yeah like it's like 3d chess i was like uh i made nicks <laughs> i mean yep. look at how cheap this the game material is for this thing and you know it's just probably cardstock colored cardstock in between two plastic sheets and some fishing but the but whoever came up with putting this together was a fucking nutcase right well speaking of nutcases i stumbled into these other weird rubik's cubes i sent you a link if you scroll down they're rubik's cubes of oh, different shit. sizes i've seen like the the round star one and then there was a, called a mirror rubik's there was a triangle one oh yeah they made them in different shapes i don't know why how many people were actually fucking solving rubik's cube that they needed to go and make more <laughs> Well, the thing is, uh, it's funny when you brought that up, like there's a couple like YouTubers I follow and they've mentioned that they love playing Rubik's Cube. Like they oh, funny, it, like they're like super into it. But like there's these, you know, these super analytical, like nerdy guys that are obsessed about video games, obviously. Right. But in the same token, we can unicycle. And I, I've had I've had road cyclists tell us, you know, they were like, oh, I could never do. I mean, we're talking people that are so lean, you couldn't find an ounce of fat on them. And they're like, I could never do that in a million years. And I'm like, you could do it. I was like, you just have to put the hours into it. And they were like, no. And these are engineers and, and, and whatnot. So I think if there's just different varieties of nerds. Yeah. Right. I wonder if I did it now. My ADD is a little more under control than when I was a child. <laughs> Not a lot, but a little more. <laughs> I wonder if I if I revisited. So your idea for a video promo, Tanya, might be a good one. <laughs> and if not, we'll at least show how we all decided to kill a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Go. Fire. Death by fire. Nothing but fire. Uh, piggybacking on Tanya's sentiment, I, I feel everyone's kind of nerdy or geeky about something. Like there's something yeah. everybody's obsessed with that you know they know way more about than they normally should or they're right. just you know i always say it's like oh fantasy football is basically just D D for for jocks like <gasps> oh my that god you're so is right. clever oh that's super super right yeah. great connection great connection one of the stories that i have is kind of a good feel-good story for oh yes let's Let's do some of that. Right? Well, you know, Black History Month is next month when we'll be dropping the podcast in February. But also, everyone's favorite holiday, the Valentine's Day. <laughs> the Valentine's Day? I was, like, I was like, Halloween's already gone by. What are you right, talking right. about? <laughs> kid, a kid. I know Valentine's Day is more of like... A, that commercial holiday? <laughs> yeah, right, right. More like that Hallmark holiday. But I don't know if you guys noticed this last year. Sweetheart candies were not on the shelves last year did you guys notice that yeah nope the little uh, <laughs> nope <laughs> you know 
The ones that looked like little pastels. Oh, yeah. The... Okay, yeah. Yeah, I know those things. I just I, I just forgot they were called sweethearts. Yeah, it's kind of... I didn't. I don't know if I actually knew they were called sweethearts. I mean, it makes sense. They are hearts. They're... I don't... The one that tastes like chalk. Yeah, yeah they, exactly. I was going to say, they don't really taste like... It's sweet. <laughs> it's like a... It yeah. tastes like a mild Tums. Right, right. <laughs> That's actually probably the best description for it ever. Right. <laughs> Tums light. (laughs) (laughs) They're kind of a similar recipe to the Necco wafer. Do you remember Necco wafers? Yeah. That that thing that Europeans didn't like, so they tried to pawn it off on us. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how we get back at the Americans. Mild tums. (laughs) Mild tums. So it it actually is a New England candy of course it is it's what does it stand for the new england confection company that's what neko is and mm-hmm. ecco the new england confectionery company and the recipe was a 118 year old candy so they actually over the years have kind of tweaked it so all the way back to then they had a boring palette exactly <laughs> Well, I think it's probably just the the ability to make it super sweet wasn't readily available. So it's like, oh, this tastes a little different. (laughs) (laughs) This is something I don't normally encounter. How exotic. This doesn't taste exactly like a communion wafer, but it's close. (laughs) It isn't bread and fruit. (laughs) This is amazing. So in 2018, the company went out of business. So the original company, Round Hill Investments, bought Twinkie, mm. the Twinkie ma- maker Hostess. Twinkies, well, it was in Twinkies. On the other hand, are fucking yummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Round Hill Investments bought Twinkie maker Hostess while it was in bankruptcy proceedings, purchasing the bankrupt candy maker at auction. Wow, these get these things get bankrupt a lot. So it got both, and it sold Necco wafer and Sweethearts to Spangler Candy several months later. And Spangler Candy Company is best known for the Dum Dum lollipops. Those are that. <laughs> Who you call Dum Dum? That that is a great marketing I love me some campaign, by the way. Dum Dum. That is amazing. You get a big bag of those motherfuckers and dump it in a bowl, and it brings joy to so many people. They just dig through to find that one. I want that one flavor. <laughs> So that that business acquisition happened in fall of 2018. So it didn't allow them enough time to take over the candy production of the company. So that's why we didn't see any of these fancy tums, <laughs> these heart-shaped tums for Valentine's Day last year. So they are actually back on the shelf in 2020. With a new marketing campaign called Affirmations for Your Sick Tummy. <laughs> well, actually, they had a little, <laughs> a few hiccups. The <laughs> There are fewer, to quote this article, there are fewer pithy sayings and a slightly different taste. So they brought the taste oh, back God. to the 118-year-old recipe, which they found amongst, like, piles of paperwork at the Neko factory. That's how much they cared about that recipe. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's almost like they lost it. Some of the equipment that, you know, they moved 60 truckloads of equipment between this old facility to this new facility. And some of that... Yeah, right? Yeah. Some of that equipment needed to be lifted out through the roof with a crane because it was such large production Fucking investment. 
that's a yeah that's crazy that that's yeah, yeah, it's not it's not yeah. like you could refabricate that shit that is that that is the stuff you need right it's it's old <laughs> so it took it said it took them about a year to move all the parts and pieces that they needed and they actually the equipment caused another headache so like the the pressing portion of it it said when it pressed like you rock and love me it was unreliable so they decided to invest in a new printer but the replacement printer equipment arrived damaged so it messed up their production so right now you're only going to see these candies at cvs and walgreens in 2021 they're hoping to return back to the normal production capacity but last year brocks and sour patch took advantage of the fact that this company was not making sweethearts and they pushed out their own brand so it'd be interesting to see how that affects their sales but it's kind of like a traditional thing it may be more common on the east coast because you know neko wafer was an east coast company i'm very particular about my antacids <laughs> <laughs> right. what was interesting was just that they've essentially brought back the original recipe which i thought was kind of crazy because they could definitely just make a new candy and press it you know make it make an entirely new version of it and press it but they're really trying to stick to the roots of the company which i think is no absolutely i mean that's cool yeah and it's and it's cool to see i mean it's almost like buying an antique painting right i mean it's that's a that's americana right there so you know good for them yeah i mean my mom loves neko wafers and i actually she had mentioned something that had popped up on the news station on the East Coast. You know, essentially they were trying to hype everyone up, get them ready for these wonderful heart-shaped candies. <laughs> Thank you, New Englanders, for this chalky piece of candy with good affirmations. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's a good yep. feel-good thing. So if you got a lady out there, you're going to try to win her over. My suggestion is to get her a box of these heart-shaped you're candies. you're a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> you want some mild, <laughs> some mild antacids? Here there you, you go, go, baby. I love you, girl. <laughs> yeah, well, your 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 tummy's all settled for when I romance you later. <laughs> Damn, because we were rocking and rolling. Looked at my watch and it was quarter to two. You know she said she didn't, but I know she doing with me. <laughs> no one wants to upset stomach when you're trying to right? have sexy times. <laughs> well, maybe they can just turn these into medicinal treats and the blue ones can be Prozac. And <laughs> That's worse. <laughs> the white ones can be Tums and... <laughs> I had another uh, astronomy science one. I don't know if you have anything oh, similar I do. to that. Yeah, I do. Uh, there is about that uh, the intern that was working at NASA that uh, discovered a new planet. Oh, this I didn't know. This is this this is a fucking cool story. So are they are they not an intern anymore? Did they get promoted? <laughs> <laughs> so a seventeen year old was interning at NASA, and apparently in the process of doing so he was able to discover a planet that is uh, 6.9 times bigger than the Earth, oh, wow. and it orbits two suns. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a it's a binary system, which is a system, like, you know, 
again calling back Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When when Luke goes and looks wistfully into the the setting two suns, that's a he lives in a binary system. Okay. So where it's two oh. suns are orbiting each other. I get it. So like yeah, so basically like two suns formed near enough each other where they didn't combine. But like one got caught in the other's orbit, usually like a bigger and a smaller one. So they the smaller one just is like a planet basically orbiting around a sun. Oh, that's interesting. Anyways, no, so but yeah, so I, he, I, I'm par- not, I did, really didn't know. I did, when you said that, I remembered that scene from the movie, and I was like, that's such a great looking scene. How that's how that's set up, and that's amazing. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and you guys have you guys seen Rise of Skywalker? No, yet? not yet. No. Is it on okay, uh, the Disney Channel? Uh, well, or I won't do these. The Disney, not Disney Channel. No, uh, it won't be for three months. Oh, okay. Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus. Yeah, no, it won't be for... They said three months. So it'll be out in like, I guess, uh, March oh, okay. or April. Because it came out in December. So so anyways, yeah, basically with the DVD release, it'll be released on Disney Plus. That's cool. This, the article you sent says, NASA said the teen's discovery was rare because circumbinary planets are usually difficult to find and scientists can only detect these planets during a transit event when one of the suns shows a decrease in brightness so ultimate needle in a haystack yeah that's pretty rad fresh eyes on fancy equipment that's what that is and intelligence and intelligence but well it's, it's it's amazing anecdotally speaking like when i when i work like i have to get my area checked out before i leave and it's always funny because I'll be looking around and look around like, okay, everything looks good. Everything looks great. And then like the moment the manager comes in to check something out, immediately just like, oh, there's yeah, something right there. Yeah, it's, it's always. Like, how did I not see that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like right eyes. there. I would like to say this yep. kid's name was also Wolf Cockier. C-U Cougar? How do you say that? C-U-K-I-E-R? I'm not sure. Wolf maybe? Yeah, we're definitely not going to put Cougar out there. <laughs> just put that out there i think well, I, mean, it, I think it, it's cooker yeah it must be cooker because i otherwise i was, I was singing cut like, maybe like tucker yeah. i think it's like i think it's wolf cucker like tucker with a c but yeah wolf 359 was space and his name's wolf and he found a planet so i'm just trying to tie all those together <laughs> i understand <laughs> germany was having trouble what a sad sad story uh, one time I accidentally nope. wrote instead yeah. of Kyle on a name tag, I wrote Kyle, <laughs> and I eliminated it, <laughs> and it went to whoever it was, and then I got in trouble, and it got brought back, and I was like, uh, I didn't read this. <laughs> what about what about your Satan chalkboard? That's a good one. Oh, Satan soap instead of satin soap. That one was up for like three weeks before nice. anybody noticed. Kind of jumping off the astronomy train there, Tyler. I found this. Let me send you guys the link. It says that they may actually have figured out where phosphorus originated from. The first phosphorus that came to Earth. It says life appeared on Earth. What? What's a phosphorus? Phosphorus is an element that essentially phosphorus is essential for life as we know it. As comets most probably delivered large amounts of organic compounds to the Earth, the phosphorus monoxide found in comet 67P may strengthen the link between comet and life on Earth. So they're saying that they found in a they looked into a region of space where stars are forming. It's 
called AFGL5142. Not sure if you care. <laughs> but by looking there, they saw where phosphorus-bearing molecules were being born. And it was in the process that came along with the formation of new stars in planetary systems. So the molecules are born as the stars themselves are formed. As gas flows out of the newly formed stars, it opens up gaps between the interstellar clouds and the molecules are formed in those vast gaps as the shocks and radiation spill out of the baby star. So basically what they were saying was they've been able to figure out where phosphorus is coming and it's and it's going into the cracks and crevices of these comets and then these comets you know potentially one of these comets four billion years ago could have came from this star being built which you know created all these gases flew through the air and landed here and deposited phosphorus here on earth i mean it makes sense yeah yeah there's always you know we've talked about it multiple times of like outside of our our little stellar sphere there's different influences that have come across the galaxy that just happen to get here that might bring something yeah, with it yeah you know now are they thinking like this organism is like a fungus based kind of thing or i guess they're thinking it's the uh fungus can come from phosphorus basically this guy Oh, sorry, this woman said, uh, Catherine... It's a man, baby! (laughs) Uh, Catherine Atwig said that, you know, phosphorus is essential to our life as we know it. She's the principal investigator for Rosina and an author of this new study. Because I guess this, this article was published January 15th, 2020. So because they're witnessing, like, like Tyler said, they've always kind of had this theory but I guess because there are, they've been witnessing the phosphorus being produced in this AFGL five one four two region. It's kind of giving them more proof, stating that their their hypothesis is more than likely true. That we're all made of stars. It's yep, hearkening back to the the Carl Sagan's you know quote, like we're all star stuff. Yes, yes. No, we're just part of a, a bigger collection of matter. That's that's kind of what it boils right? down to. But what, what um, was that link? You yeah, I was sent? looking up what phosphorus was. Apparently, yeah, uh, the link I sent. Uh, phosphorus is a central structure component of cell membranes and nucleic acids, but it also involved in several biological processes, including bone uh, mineralization, energy production, cell signaling through phosphorylation <laughs> reaction and re- regulation of acid base homeostasis Homo what? apparently it's it's found in most foods oh that's interesting and yeah it's a it's found in most food sources and it's a component in many commonly used food additives oh. so it's, that is it's interesting. basically everywhere oh like, that that's is interesting. the secret ingredient to food additives that's kind of funny it says uh the yeah. bioavailability of phosphorus from food is usually very high with the exception of phytate I don't know how to pronounce that. Phytate phosphorus in plant sources such as grains, legumes, and seeds, which is poorly digested. With the exception of MSG. Oh, MSG is delicious. Mm. Don't talk bad about my MSG. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's true. <laughs> but that's interesting. Something else that was interesting, which is kind of, I mean, I think you're right, Tanya. Fungus would probably be a part 
of that if everything is essentially derived from it because fungus is a living organism. We went and saw Fantastic Fungi at the tiny theater in Monterey Friday night. And then last Mm. weekend, we went and saw Paul Stamets, who we had mentioned a few episodes back when we were talking about Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. Which, by the way, before you Mm. read that book, you should read Botany of Desire first. That that's the to do list on your that you're reading to do list. <laughs> There's so much on my to do list. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Book on tape. <laughs> I I only preface it that way because a lot of people who follow Paul Stamets are psychonauts, and if you mm-hmm. don't know what that is, that's folks who like to take hallucinogens, and they take it very personally that. Michael Pollan has brought such a large audience, which, to be perfectly honest, I'm a little shocked, but I guess any more than like 10 or 12 is probably a lot. And Paul Stamets is an amazing individual and has been kind of shut down because he didn't follow the same academia as everyone else. But that having been said, in recent years, he's become more and more respected because of his dedication to what his love and passion is. And the psychonauts are most concerned about the psychedelic portion of his study. But in recent years, the Mm. most important part of his work has been about lack of control over our our bioculture and the loss of bees. Oh, uh, 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 yeah. It's, it's funny because when you mentioned Psychonauts, like it made me think because there's a video game called Psychonauts, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like funny. from way back in the day. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was like, wait, what? That's kind of interesting. I wonder yeah. if it has some tie to the LSD Psychonauts. No, no. It, I never played it, but I, I know it was popular oh, at the funny. time when it came out, but I never actually played it because I don't think I actually had a system. But anyways, it looks like kind of does kind of look like a mushroom trip now that I look at looking at the pictures of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, yeah, this says a psychonaut is someone who seeks to investigate their mind using intentionally induced altered states of consciousness. So, to a degree, we're all psychonauts. Okay. I'm spinning around in my chair right now. <laughs> what was cool so paul stamets mentioned at the we were at the fungus festival in santa cruz a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. or no beginning of january i guess it was and he had talked about how he was on the joe rogan show It was kind of interesting. Tanya went back and listened to it. And a lot of the conversation that we heard, he kind of speaks to Joe Rogan directly. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool if you can watch the YouTube video because you get the visuals. We were actually allowed into the room and kind of skirted off to the side because they ran out of room. But they shoved us in the area so we could kind of see the screen, but not direct. (laughs) We were the second to the last two people to get in on standby. Yeah, yeah. So felt pretty lucky. But Joe Rogan's got a really good podcast with him. And then, you know, he was talking about this film that they made, this fantastic fungi movie. And... We went and we were able to see that. It's still at the Monterey Theater. You might be able to catch it during the week. Yeah. But it was really cool. We did miss the first couple minutes of it just because they were short-staffed and getting through the ticket line was a, a nightmare. Yeah. However, it was it was really interesting. It kind of talks about all of these different types of fungi, you know, and the powers of mushrooms beyond 
going into a, a psychedelic trip. There is a world under the earth, full of magic and mystery. It holds the consciousness of nature's connection to all living things. You know, these mushrooms, they can heal you, they can feed you, they can kill you. It's not like a vegetable, and it's not like an animal, but it's somewhere in between. They support life, they convert life. As you're walking, there's about 300 miles of fungi. Under every footstep that you take, and that's all over the world. How, how they say that essentially it regenerates the, what is it, Tanya? It regenerates the neurons? Well, they're, they're finding that cultures that have diets high in, in mushrooms, just even just like your regular edibles, like your shiitake or your oyster mushrooms or your lobster mushrooms or, you know, your, your plain old button mushrooms, they have a lower statistic in Alzheimer's and dementia. And Paul Stamets, he's working, he's been working in conjunction with France on research in lion's mane. And lion's mane mm. is beginning to prove that it increases the redevelopment of nerves that have nerve damage and are are also extending the nerves. So that's obviously great for circulation and circulation, as we all know, is great because it helps pump oxygen and um, it's fantastic for the frontal lobe of the brain. And it's really showing incredible improvements from that compared to Asian cultures who tend to uh, introduce mushrooms more in their diet say than western culture yeah you know like mushrooms yeah they're they're incredible it's just an incredible thing to study so the one of the largest terrestrial creatures on our planet is actually a fungus it's uh armillaria solidips but anyways it's basically a fungus that stretches about what does it say 3.4 miles what? across. oh wow yeah I'll send you a link to it right now. But anyways, yeah, like mushrooms are just a fascinating part of our biosphere. In addition to what all the benefits you, you get from, you know, certain ones and eating certain things, just the way they operate and interact with our environment. Like like ants being a big cornerstone of like how we break down dead stuff. Fungus is also another huge contributor because at like that's what they do. They break shit down and they grow and they just keep moving on. Yeah, that was kind of the cool thing about that movie is like they created some fancy animation talking about how the fungus connects in underground yeah how how it's essentially always there we may not see it but it's what's it's waiting (laughs) yeah it's 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 doing this purifying soil it's purifying our car like it's purifying the carbon in our air it's almost it's almost like if you wanted to fix pollution just plant a shit ton of mushrooms around like a factory yeah it's the cardiovascular system for the planet is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it just spreads nutrients and breaks shit down. You know, like this one I'm talking about. I, 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 oh, the I honey fungus properly. or whatever they're calling it? Yeah, three, you know, three, 3.4 miles where it's just all interconnected underground, where it's just it's absorbing and spreading the nutrients and the breakdown of other, other living things around, you know, creating life elsewhere that kind of grows oh, off okay. of that. It's just... Well, yeah, this says the largest terrestrial organism on the planet is a fungus called Armorilla solidip- solips? <laughs> so, solidipus or honey fungus. Yeah, yeah, solidipus honey fungus. It's the largest fungus in North America in Oregon. 
That's kind of cool. He was based, so he has a supplement company and he also mm. is growing mushrooms to make these supplements. And he was based in Washington, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Olympia, Washington. And then he also has been conducting experiments in Canada because he has land up in Canada as well. But that's really cool. Yeah, this is what this is kind of what they were saying through the animation in the movie too was the f- fungi grow in individual networks of above and below ground fibers called mycelii. Mm. Mycelia works like a plant's roots. It draws the water's nutrients from the soil to feed the fungus. At the same time, they make chemicals that are shared with other organisms in the soil. Basically like a redistribution network. Yeah, it was really kind of cool. And it seems like fungus has been the thing that's been here forever. So maybe fungus is from outer space. <laughs> Definitely would recommend going and seeing that movie, Tyler. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to see that. I'm actually looking at showtimes right now at the OCO. Oh, there you go. I have tomorrow off. I might might just go do that. Oh, yeah, you should totally do it. You know, the thing that he mentioned at the talk that we went to is that they decided not to release the movie out to DVD because mm. Netflix like offered them like half of what they needed to kind of I mean there is a lot of animations that came through the movie so that stuff costs money and Netflix yeah. kind of lowballed them so they decided to just keep it in the indie film They're market theatrical. for right now yeah, and I think I think they will eventually release it because the point is to try and get the message out there. So the more people yeah. talk about it and share it is good. But once it becomes, once they recoup some of their money, you know, it'll be nice for them to be able to, to release it out and just kind of litter the planet with it and get people to think differently. And yeah. that was kind of a cool thing too was uh, in the TED Talk that he did, which we'll post in the links below his mother had like stage four breast cancer Mm -hmm. and she was pretty much told that was it. She was older. They couldn't do surgery. And he had heard or no, she had heard the doctor mentioned this turkey tail mushroom that some people were taking and they were doing tests for. It might be something that she wanted to look into. And she goes, Oh, well, my son provides those mushrooms for those tests. So I'll call him. So she calls him and lets him know what's going on. And he is like, oh my God, and crushed because he loves his mom and doesn't want to think about that. But she was taking like, what did he say? Eight eight of the supplements a day? She was taking an obscene amount of turkey tail along with some other medications another immune like immune beneficial pill which honestly you can go to his website and get and the cool thing about it is is that it's all organic it's in a very closed tight sealed environment and it's being produced by somebody who is very much in in love with this research but yeah it was it was a great deal of of an amount nice yeah and then her cancer like went away so she did this regimen. Yeah, she's still alive to this day. And that TED Talk was 2008. So she was yeah. basically written off in 2007, 2008. Yeah. So. Admittedly, he said that, you know, this was in conjunction with Western medicine. So I don't yeah. want to put out that. 
But one of his primary concerns is that, you know, while he's known for the hallucinogen side of his research, and he believes that there's a great amount of benefit from that and has been working with Stanford University and other folks to make a microdosed pill that has niacin mixed with it. And the dose is so low that there is actually no hallucinogenic benefit from it. Yeah. But it has been proven to be very assist, uh, very helpful with folks with PTSD and depression and things of that nature and making them, you know, a fun, productive part of society. And he hopes to continue to push that forward because the more he gets that out there and the pharmaceuticals want to gobble that up as a treatment drug, he can then focus his attention on the bees. And some of the most amazing research to date was posted in, what was it, the something journal... Scientific journal, and they he said that like every like every month you know they're just bombarded with all of these journals. So the idea that anybody would take pay any attention to even just one written journal, especially with his name on it, because he does kind of have a bad boy reputation, really really speaks to something. He has found that there is a particular fungus that is proven to be assisting bees. Mm-hmm. They are infected with. Well, it's, yeah, I think it's a number of factors, but it's you know it's chemicals we're using and other shit and like viruses. Yeah, so this fungus is proving to eat away whatever it is that's making the bees enabled to fly. He points out that you know when you were younger, when you go on road trips, you would hear all the insects hitting your windshield in the front of the car, and every gas station you went to, you went and you cleaned off your windshield and got rid of the massacre that was there, and then started all back up again. But when you drive cross country now, you don't really get that. Nope. <laughs> it was the Nature's Scientific Reports. It says collaborative research between host defense team, which is the company that Paul Stamets owns a stake in, and Washington State University has been published in Nature's Scientific Reports. Mycelium extracts of the polypore mushrooms, Rishi and Amadou, have been shown to con- confer an immune benefit to bees. This research provides an actionable solution against the stressors threatening bees populations and, in turn, food biosecurity around the world. We're proud to continue the work in the field of applied mycelium. Mycelium? (laughs) Mycology to help people on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) So you can actually go to b at fungi.com and join the Save the Bees mailing list to be a part of it. And they actually have some really cool feeders. You'll learn if you go to the Joe Rogan podcast, they they show pictures of the feeders um, to help the bees. They're like hummingbird feeders. And his ultimate goal is is to include, he's, he's working with software companies to include information of these bees going in and out. The one, dip, one thing that's different from his feeder, from a hummingbird feeder, is that the entranceway is on the sides and he has deliberately mm-hmm. set up a puzzle for them, or a maze rather, to go through in order to get the nectar that they need with this fungus as as in in the nutrients there but then what his intention is is to have this uploaded to the cloud so that kind of gives away who he's working with (laughs) (laughs) and have this connected to the cloud so they can evaluate how this is helping the bees all across the globe okay yeah so he's he's creating like these they're called citizen scientists so they're creating these things so people can kind of upload all their data he actually has Mm -hmm. one 
as well for people who are taking the mushrooms. The psilocybin? Yeah, for people who are taking the psilocybin, it's something at me. Do you remember the... There's a there's an app. Microdose.me. I'll put it in the links below, <laughs> where you can where you can essentially track your microdosing of psilocybin and how it's it it gives it has some like tactile reports like memorizing a sequence of numbers yeah. and then you you well, put all these accumulating in. data. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. He's doing that with the bees and and the i almost said marshmallows the bees and the <laughs> mushrooms <laughs> so he's 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 making it so a lot of citizen scientists can help with the bees the mushrooms and developing a vast amount of research in a short period of time yeah well, yeah, it's it's you know a smart move using like crowdsourcing yeah like people's abilities and skill sets you know just for the greater good of just understanding these things it's like seti seti has a program called seti at home mm-hmm. which is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence and basically you can go to their website you can download an app and when your computer is idle if you leave it on like while you're away it will process data but they're searching you for like you know basically they they gather data constantly but they don't have the processing power to get through all of it so you can help them out by taking in some their findings and look, you know, where they're looking for some kind of sign of extraterrestrial intelligence. That's cool. And uh, you can be part of the right process. Right here, baby. Right here. No, I'm just kidding. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I wish. But yeah, like, so yeah, I like things like that where you can like, you can be part of the process, even though you're not necessarily like super good at it or you might have some skills that can help or you're not professionally doing it, but you can contribute in some way. That's really cool. Yeah. I think that's kind of, the thing, and that was one of the th- things that was mentioned too. Darwin was a citizen scientist, mm-hmm. you know, and look at look at what he did, and look and, and, and yeah. look at the Darwin Award, right here, baby, right here, <laughs> the oh, strongest yep. swimmer. Yep, Darwinism in action is uh, pretty uh, pretty apparent. Like sometimes I'll be like driving or like just out in public, I look at people, I'm like, man. How you not gotten removed from the gene pool? <laughs> <laughs> How are you surviving? Oh, speaking of, yep. we watched. Uh, Tanya like made me watch this horrible, 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 horribly depressing movie last night. <laughs> hold on, 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 hold on. No, I, I want to know more. I want oh, to know on. more. This is like Starship Troopers. I want to know more. It was horrible. Did you ever see that movie Dancer in the Dark with Bjork? It wasn't like I was like, hey, Julie, come watch Sophie's Choice with me. I didn't. Listen, listen, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I didn't go, I didn't, yeah, I didn't go, Julie, come see Dancer in the Dark with me. I saw that there was this bee-related movie. I knew the podcast was coming up and that we'd be talking about bees because of Paul. And it has a beautiful, whoever did the artwork for this movie is so smart. It's just really golden yellow and vibrant and inviting. And the text is luscious and inviting. And then you watch it and you're like, I'm going to hang my fucking It was so depressing, Tyler. 15 minutes in and I was like, where is the revolver? 
You know what? <laughs> I couldn't go to bed. I was like, this is depressing. So I pulled up some weird Back to the Future documentary because I was just like, I need something else. This yeah. isn't, isn't going to work for me. <laughs> However, this this documentary is up for an Oscar. It won and- Sundance. It, it won at Sundance as well. I mean, it was a great movie. It was just fucking depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say so I, I want. I want to know more. <laughs> okay, so the, it's, oh, it's important that we get this right because somebody's from Bosnia and somebody's Turkish. I think the the assholes are Turkish and she's from Bosnia. So this film crew went to this area, the mountains in Macedonia, and mm. they were originally going to do an ecological piece on the river that runs through Macedonia. While they were there, they found this old woman that lived in this village. This amazing woman. <laughs> she she was collecting honey, and it was just her and her mother that lived in this tiny little village. Everybody else had left, so her mother was ailing, and you know it was their tradition to the last child stays with the mother. Oh or the father until they pass. So basically that's what she was doing. And these So you remember that baby, suck it up now. You think you're cute and fun now, but boy, I tell you what. <laughs> you got to take care of me later. <laughs> right. Essentially this white trash company comes in. <laughs> this this family comes in. They're Turkish. So they move in with this rickety old nasty trailer and the scene of them coming now, now, none of this was planned. This just happened. So they just happened upon this. The filmmakers just happened upon this woman. And mm. then the this family just happened upon to move in. So, you know, it's like her and her mom in this peaceful, quiet area. All of a sudden she, there was, I don't even know, like six children screaming, yelling. You know, the father and the mother, they're out there. They bring cattle. They're going to herd their cattle there. They find out that this woman is making hunt or not making the bees are making honey but she's collecting the (laughs) honey honey. (laughs) yeah and she does it in a very old traditional way she hand weaves these baskets to put the honeycomb inside of they're all man you know woman made and she is selling a jar of honey for about 10 euros Mm -hmm. each so this is like her only source of income and then she's buying food she's walking 20 miles to the nearest town to sell this honey when she collects the honey Mm. she says half for me half for you yeah so this Mm. family comes in and they are they see that she's making money off of honey and they're like oh well we can do that too. So they kind of develop a really nice bond at first. She teaches them, you know, like Tanya said, you always you always leave half for the bees because you don't want the bees to get angry. Yeah. And this guy is just just stressed beyond his he's, limits. Well, he's he's desperate because he's got how many kids do you think that, that guy had? I they probably there was probably six to eight kids there. It was hard for me to keep track. Yeah. And Damn. so some shady dude he partnered with Some was big like fat white guy me- <laughs> yeah he's like give me this much honey give me this much honey he's like the honey's not ready the honey's not ready he's like let me look and i'll tell you if the honey's ready or not in total disregard for the process of this and the whole thing was her bee farm and his bee farm butted up against each other uh-huh. like in this village and she's like you ha- don't take more 
than half because the bees will come over and attack my bees. And if the bees attack my bees, my bees will die and it will affect everything. So needless to say, this doesn't happen. He violates all the rules that essentially he's been shown and obliterates the whole population of bees. Yeah. And this poor woman, it was just it was just so upsetting because like she really tried she was she didn't have to tell them how to do any of that stuff and she really tried to instill in them like the process of this and and respect your your ecosystem she was helping her neighbor and her neighbor and her neighbor was part of that ecosystem but he ended up being a cancer yeah yeah it it was pretty depressing i ended up like (laughs) right right i looked it up and i was like Oh my God, I got to find out what happened to this woman at the end because I'm just like, <laughs> it's just so heartbroken. So spoiler alert, at the end of the the filming of the documentary, because, you know, when it's a documentary, you don't pay people. Like that's traditionally, you're essentially a fly on the wall and it's not supposed to be so, it's not an interactive process. Yeah. But they felt so bad for this woman. She basically lost everything and they went and they bought when they won their first award they bought her a house in the town that her brother lived in so she could be close but it was also still within distance for her to still tend to her bees and that was really important to her good for them for seeing and realizing the bigger story and good for them for for taking care of her and yeah they they camped there for three years and when I watched it all I could think of is oh my god I can't believe all they have is that very simple house and then it when researching this we realized that the documentary crew was was out there in tents for three years I was like yeah wow. in the winter and stuff wow and everything. that's nuts yeah it was pretty crazy yeah well, that, well, that's, that's one of those like dedication to craft yeah I mean just right. wow good for you guys seriously yeah one of the things that I was reading, because I was like, oh, my God, I, I got to find out what happened to this woman. Is she dead? What happened? Right. But one of the articles from NPR that I read had a really cool quote in here that it was, you know, tying into the movie. Mm-hmm. And it says, William Golding, who wrote Lord of the Flies, once said that men produce evil in the way bees produce honey. And it happened here, but the evil happened in Honeyland is not the sort we usually see. So that was kind of how they're promoting the. Yeah, I mean, not wrong. Movie. But yeah. <laughs> but it's very easy to say the neighbor is the is the villain in this, and it's it's not. It's shit rolls downhill, and that guy was in the middle of that hill. Well, yeah, yeah. and that was the thing. It wasn't. It wasn't like the guy was some rich like set out to thug who to was like i'm gonna wipe out this yeah. lady he just was so stupid <laughs> yeah it he was struggling and trying to figure out how to support his family and oh my god they were just it was just the most miserable group of people and like the way the kids just the emotions from the children on the hatred towards their parents was just so upsetting. It was just like, oh my God, this just... These these little babies were getting stung so bad. At one point, Tyler, they're, they're one mm. of their youngest and they 
they had so many kids. But the, one of their youngest, the whole side of her fucking face was just swelled up from fucking bee stings. And the yeah. and the boys were forced to assist with this process. And he'd have to. He had one boy that like really, really dug his fucking heels, and he'd have to really force him to be a participant in this process because time is money, and you guys are labor and mouse. Yeah. And and that they didn't have bee suits. They had like one helmet. I think they, that was no, it, right? They, they, they had a, it was interesting that you over a period of time you saw more and more of the bee the bee uh, helmets that that you're talking about. Yeah, the gear you need. Yeah, but I don't. Right? Yeah, the mesh. But but the but the kids. I almost never saw them wearing it. No, no, and that was like, man, child protective services would be all over this family. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> Obviously, that's not the case in Macedonia, but. So respect democracy. But if you're if you're down to watch a really depressing movie, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, the premise sounds. You know, I was kind of like skimming through the trailer, and it looks really fascinating. Like I something I want to watch, but it's like, oh god, that's gonna be a yeah. A, just a, brace yourself <laughs> and, and follow it up with some Adventure Time or. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Adventure Time's pretty rad. I mean, there you go. You're gonna have to. You're gonna need that afterwards. My go-to is SpongeBob. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, my no. go, my go-to happy show is uh, Futurama. Nice. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, just because bees, it, it just all it flashed in my mind. You guys have seen Wicker Man, right, with Nick Cage? I don't think no. so. Uh-oh. I'm seeing this. <laughs> okay, no. so I'm there's a scene at the end, sent. and I sent a YouTube link to it. So you uh, feel free to lay uh, lay over the audio. Oh no. Because <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Nick Cage at his best. Oh snap. They're just stinging the shit out of his face. What is that movie about? <laughs> so the the Wicker Man is I I haven't seen it forever. I just remember that scene because it's just funny. Nick Cage overacting every time. <laughs> right, hilarious. right, right. <laughs> um, basically, he's he's like a detective, like going on the search for somebody that went missing. And the person that he went missing ends up being on this island where this like cult is like. Maybe we need to see this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, this cult is like they're they're raising bees and that's their source of profit. But he kind of shows up and apparently he's they they every once in a while they they use somebody to sacrifice. And oh. like he's <laughs> he he's he's the one that was drawn in by the missing girl because he was like a, a detective that's a cop and he's like you know I'm on the case kind of thing and he goes to this place. And <laughs> I think it's the base. That's it's kind of what I remember about it, but that's crazy. That's we we don't have to include this depressing comment into the into our equation here. But in Saudi Arabia, they will bury people up to their heads and put honey on their heads and let fire ants eat them alive in the fucking desert. Can you imagine? That's Ouch. fucked up. <laughs> just strong. Always the You kill somebody. Just kill somebody. I mean, I just saw Nick Cage get eaten up by bees. It just reminded me of this. Yeah. I mean, in all or, fairness, or Nick probably just yeah. Oh, you know, one other thing that we watched, kind of depressing. <laughs> Not as depressing. <laughs> Was it me? Just, just kind of. I didn't this do This is the movies to take your Valentine to. <laughs> <laughs> Recommendations by Tripace Pod. So me and my hands are going to have a night in the town. <laughs> Julie got right. his tickets to see Sinead O'Connor for Valentine's Day in Santa Cruz, so we'll probably hang ourselves that night. Right. <laughs> awesome. I do think that women could make politics irrelevant 
by us a kind of spontaneous cooperative action, the like of which we have never seen, which is so far from people's ideas of state structure and viable social structure that seems to them like total anarchy. And what it really is, is very subtle forms of interrelation, which do not follow a sort of hierarchical pattern, which is fundamentally patriarchal. The opposite to patriarchy is not matriarchy, but fraternity. And I think it's women who are going to have to break the spiral of power and find the trick of cooperation. But something else we binge watch, and it's actually, it's older, but on Hulu there's a show called Abandoned. Have you seen that? I don't think I have. Oh. That sounds familiar. Here, let me send you. But yeah, it is on I'm, Hulu. I'm, I'm braiding my own noose right now. <laughs> It was a Vice TV show, and it's this skater dude. Mm. His name is... Yeah, that guy definitely looks like a skater. <laughs> yeah. But he's from Canada, so he's, like, fucking really awesome. <laughs> His name is Rick McCrank. <laughs> yeah, he's a pro skateboarder for girl. But he goes on these adventures, and it's between, it's between the United States and Canada, which is kind of cool, too. But he goes to all these abandoned places because as a skater, you kind of pick and choose your lines on where you can skate. Where nobody is. That doesn't have a lot of people yeah, around where you, where and you that you may or, or may not. Get. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can actually buy the series, which is kind of cool, too. Hell yeah. It's only three ninety nine to rent on yeah. Amazon if you don't have Prime. But they go through like malls, old ghost malls that one was that episode was the first episode and that was really cool because like in it was based in ohio and there used to be so many shopping malls it's like it's like tanya was saying that paul stamets mentioned you used to drive and you'd you'd get nailed with all these insects and now you just don't see the insects same thing there used to be all these insects that went to the mall now you don't see as many insects going to the mall yeah. you know <laughs> because the way our society has changed so there are these huge vacant buildings yeah shopping malls and shopping centers are just like you you know i go to the ones around here and like you know half of the buildings are empty yeah yeah it's crazy the architect for for the modern mall that everything was piggybacked from when he on his deathbed he said he resented his design because his the point of his design was community and it ended up being the the antithesis thereof yeah 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 it's it's crazy so they go to ohio they do the malls they go to newfoundland which was really depressing because there's plenty of remote communities that are essentially fishing communities industrial towns yeah yeah that have been wiped out st louis schools he goes to a nuclear power plant mm -hmm. <laughs> that was a trip that episode was a trip but we binge watched all of these and it was it's a really cool show it's almost a shame that they didn't have more a second yeah. season but he was probably so depressed after it yeah it's <laughs> just like i don't know if i could do it right now guys this was 2016 <laughs> you said uh yeah it came out in 2016 but it's right now on hulu you can watch it on Hulu. oh yeah. and anybody living in la should definitely watch this series oh yeah yeah there's a really upsetting fact about why la is even up and running in any way shape or form <laughs> yeah yeah. The the water supply problems. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> the water wars down, down south are just been a constant thing. I mean, like, you know, the, even the movie Chinatown talks about that, and it's been a problem since then. Right? Yeah, and the salt and sea and... So. It can be peaceful. Mm -hmm. It can be tranquil. It can be uh, destitute solitude. Uh, it's sublime. 
instead of all this bullshit like fucking drilling holes in the earth and letting the natural gas out and sucking the oil out, because that's like, if I lose all the gas from my stomach and all the blood from my veins, like I'm gonna die, right? Which is the earth is a living thing. So how about if we just stop killing it to try and go faster where we wanna go? Just take a fucking walk, man. You know, I mean, for God's sake, dude, like fucking give it up already, dude. We don't need to get where we're going faster. We need to stop and take our time getting there. Otherwise we miss out on shit like this. This one here, I had no idea there was this place called the Salton Sea. Had you ever heard about that? Oh, yeah. That, would they try to manufacture a lake or they something didn't like that? Try, yeah. they, well, they didn't really try. It was an engineering error. And then they turned it into a tourist thing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look at our fuck up. <laughs> but now the sea is shrinking. Well, it's gone. At an well, astronomical rate. I think now it's like a puddle. Well, and basically. <laughs> and everything around it is toxic dust. So all of the community, so all these people who were like, oh, I can live the middle class life. I can have a house on the lake. I can drive my boat out. It'll still be fun. This is cool. Then the lake disappears. And then all you have is this very finite powder because this was in fact an engineering error it was like like with the first time we struck for oil we're like oh this is amazing and so their way to resolve this problem after they pushed and pushed and pushed against the state's government is it they they water it down yeah now they have like sprinkler systems i don't know if the sprinklers <laughs> i don't think the sprinklers are at salton sea but it's at another place that the same thing happened to so essentially they've made they've dried up all these areas down there and it's causing a huge problem with the winds coming and bringing all this like essentially it's just bringing toxic toxicity over to LA we're recreating the dust bowl everybody exactly and and it's going to LA where there's a shit ton of people who are oblivious to what's happening mm -hmm. These people that reside around what used to be water, they talked about the death rate of the older members of that community that lived in that area, and they basically all died off at once from cancer. Yeah. It was crazy. They all had kind of similar complications, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So, but yeah, so if you want some depressing shit to watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there Have you we go. got suggestions? <laughs> That kind of reminds me of talking about the the malls and whatnot and like those those empty spaces. Uh, mm -hmm. Recently, down here near Salinas, I remember hearing about it. I haven't ever actually been. The there's a Northridge Mall that's on North Side Salinas, and it's like one of those like big mega malls from back in like the 80s, 90s. Yeah, you know where you go in, it's all just like you walk down. It's all tile floors and super polished and there's a bunch of right. bunch of random shit like you know Sam Goody and Island Plants. <laughs> Sam yeah, Goody. yeah, but anyways, there was like a I think it was a Chasey Paintings or a Macy's, and it was there, and it took up like one big section of the the mall, and it shut down eventually. Mm. And what they've done, they've reconverted it to a bolt like this. I think the second story is a bowling alley, and then like the first story is like an arcade and eatery. That's cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's like it's like I've never been, obviously, but I was, I was like I, I heard about it, and I've kind of seen it online. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, but like, it's that, like it's one yeah, way to... Yeah, because that's community. That's I'm, community. Yeah, yeah, it's creating an environment. I'm, the mall over here in Capitola, they just gave it the green light to turn it into like apartments. Fucking Santana so, Row. So essentially it's going to be <laughs> really? a, a Santana Row kind of deal. Yeah. Are they really doing that in Capitola? <laughs> yep, they just yeah, they just pushed it through. Because Santana Row can turn a blind eye to all the trailer park overpriced trailer parks that surround it. Well, you yeah. know, it was interesting. I have a coworker who went to a city council meeting, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with San Jose. I'm really not. But they had the Century Theaters mm -hmm. 
and they were those dome-shaped theaters. There was about three of them. Yeah. And so Santana Row is this like outdoor shopping mall, hotel, and apartment extravaganza. <laughs> A little bit of everything. And then across the street is like across the street is this huge, huge West Chase mall and west chase is like a mall chain essentially Mm. so so many stores in there and they've just built more stores added bloomingdales and like all sorts of crazy shit right well on the other side there was these three century theaters and i guess they had been in san jose for a very long time they were it was like century 21 actually which is also a real estate company real estate company but there was uh century 20 21 and I think I think they were three of them were they were named 2021 22 maybe I don't really remember but they have torn all but one down I believe and they're going to be building this is all around the Winchester Mystery House mm-hmm. all that property they're going to be building more uh, high rises and apartments so there is the Winchester Mystery House has a small mobile home park and it's a senior mobile home park oh shit they have purchased that land and they're mm-hmm. going to bulldoze it and all these people essentially are going to be homeless. So, Which, by the, the way, if you have a grandparent who has dementia, it is proven fact that they are better off in their own home environment for the longevity of their life. Yep. Yeah. So this old guy came to the city council meeting and basically stated that you know in the time this development has occurred we have lost 32 members of our community to death there aren't many more of us left here and you know a lot of the contributing factors for these people dying had to do with stress not knowing where they're going to live in the future because you're coming in to bulldoze us down take us out of our homes and displace us so the company has agreed to housing the remaining people from this oh that's nice mobile home park in the bottom level of whatever building is the first one to go up and then Mm. they will honor what they're paying for their rent so they won't have to worry about anything which is great but this was a huge fight to like, get to get to that point, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, are the senior citizens like, like a zoo or? <laughs> Guess, man. <laughs> but he's like, we've basically all died. Um, you know, we're probably all gonna die. So, well, what the hell, Julie? Help us out, Julie. Here, you you steal once, you pay twice. I mean, it's no wonder they're being built around a fucking crazy woman's house. So fuck them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, kind of on a related note. It reminds me that out in uh, Pacific Grove, they the community hospital of Monterey, otherwise known as CHOMP, they bought up a section of PG and they basically put in uh, apartments that they're going to rent to their employees because the employees are having a hard time finding – like basically oh, employees yeah. have to live elsewhere because it's too expensive to live around oh, here. Oh, affordable housing. Yeah. So they're basically going to have like – cheaper housing just for their employees that it's just gonna be a part so wait complex. a minute isn't this what they do uh in russia mm. <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah well, I mean, it's, apparently the, the, the whole point is because the, the problem is their employees live so far away because they have to live like out towards selena where so they down can afford in, like, yeah where they Green can actually Valley, afford where, housing uh, is affordable like, yeah, exactly. So, like, they're not living close to the hospital. So, like, their commutes are really bad. People are late or people can't be called in because they're, they, they yeah, live, like, an hour away. Making that arrangement is horrible. So, 
in their own interest, they're like, okay, we'll buy up some property, make an apartment complex. Yeah. And it was the, the property they bought is... It's like the gold rush. Basically, yeah. It's like, get your butt out of here. We need you. Right. <laughs> or, or like the Hoover Dam. That's crazy. That's fucked up. Yeah. What was the property that they purchased? Oh, it was it was like an old abandoned like a shopping center kind of thing. Like it was like a like a storefront setting that you know most of the business had gone away, so they bought it up and they made it into an apartment. The projects, yeah, the, that's cool. And it's like <laughs> like ten minutes from the hospital. So that's perfect. Yeah, that all those old military basics near REI mm-hmm. out in Fort Ord, and yeah, I feel like that should be. Yeah, like well, homeless shelter or something. Like well, it yeah, just doesn't like a make sense. A lot of those buildings can be fixed and used. The, the problem with Fort Ord is there's a lot of live ordinances in certain areas because mm-hmm. they did have an artillery unit there. So they would do practice and they'd shoot off ordinances. And the ordinances, when they impacted, didn't always pop off. So there's areas you shouldn't be going into. What? Oh, the f- okay. Yeah, but that said, they CSUMB, Cal State uh, University of Monterey Bay, was basically built on the bones of the Fort Ord military base. Like that, that university is basically just a bunch of converted and expanded buildings from the military base. And and if Princess Diana know, or cool. Audrey Hepburn isn't there, you know, there's just live ammunition there. Is that what I just heard? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it could there's, help there's... with the homeless population. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just help with the population in general. Yeah, there, there's there's certain areas where it says like, hey, don't go in here because there's there might be unexploded. You might go boom. Yeah, but God, it's how funny. How would you rectify something like that? Well, you wouldn't recognize until you're dead. You wouldn't even feel that. You'd probably just like be walking around and all of a sudden just. That's it. You're gone. <laughs> we need a little Wally bomb robot out there. Good to know. Yeah, yeah it's kind of funny because you go to I've, when I've gone to CSUMB when I had like friends going there and I go like pick them up or hang out with them. It's funny because like as you're you're driving through an abandoned military base and then all of a sudden there's a university. <laughs> <laughs> you're all, uh, okay. Yeah, it's like all right. It's like it's a bunch of like barracks and then like school and a library <laughs> and a cafeteria man dirty deeds done to sheep what <laughs> yep i still remember the days when uh Fort Ord was shutting down and they had like the b-52s taken off out of out of the uh monterey bay airport oh wow when did Fort Ord shut down i think it was back in the 90s okay uh, i can't remember i was i was young but i remember because the they had the b-52s and the the not the band <laughs> no, not the band. The airport in Monterey has a very short runway, so they the oh, B fifty twos couldn't take off. Okay, uh, shut down in nineteen ninety four. Okay. Anyways, so the runway was too short, so they had to strap these rockets to them to give them the extra boost to take off in time because the runway is oh, well. too short. So you'd hear like these like constants, like like even out here in Prunedale, you'd hear it like from m- like about twenty miles away. Just you could hear, hear them hear taking take off. off. Yeah, because they were just getting though. all the equipment out. That's yeah. Crazy. But, Why did they shut it down? Do, do you- I, I just think it wasn't necessary. Okay. I mean, they still have the uh, DLI, like the Defense Language Institute out in Monterey and they definitely still have some element out in Monterey. The Naval Postgraduate School is still there, but I think Fort Ord it just it was it was just kind of a reserve cuz they it was a holdover I think from World War II. I'm not sure. I have to look at it, but Oh, okay. It was it was kind of like cuz they they thought like, you know, if there was going to be an attack from Japan during the time. Oh, okay. It would be a, yeah, cuz originally Monterey was planned to be our state capital. Shit. But they decided to switch it to Sacramento. But they they originally thought Monterey because like it's a it's a, a safe port to land at. 
like back when California was forming, there's like, okay, yeah, you, you know, it's, you got a safe port. It's a big enough area. Everyone can come and go from here. But then they right, switched to Sacramento for some reason. Wow. Uh, it says that it closed in 1994 due to base realignment and closure action. The BRAC. Basically, they just probably just put their troops down south. What is that like? Oh, yeah. It says it was considered one of the most attractive locations of any U.S. Army post because of the proximity to the beach in the California weather. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's, <laughs> right, it's right on the beach, basically. It's like, there's like Highway 1, and then there's Fort Ord, and then on the other side of the Highway 1 is the beach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were like, you know, we don't want people to stay here forever. It's windy there. We've driven the bug there. It's not... It has nothing modern oh, yeah. on it at all, and boy, ooh, it's like... That's a yeah. You get blown around. Yeah, that's a white knuckle drive there. Yeah, right outside of Marina, that's where it's the worst. Where it's all that flat land, and then like you oh, just yeah, get yeah, hit yeah. by the ocean. You're just like, oh god. <laughs> I'm in the next line. It says that the Army's environmental cleanup of the former Fort Ord has been underway since the base was closed and is separated into two programs: the Soil and Groundwater Containment Cleanup Program, and the Munitions and Explosive of concern program <laughs> not just the munitions and co- explosives but the explosives <laughs> of concern <laughs> but they're not concerned now because that's why they got signs up that's i mean that's how concerned they are <laughs> yeah well i think they're still working I, i'm not sure if they're done at this point but no like it they, says they're still going through the process yeah, like there's certain areas they, they've cleaned up a lot of it that's why they're able to build a, a campus on on site but yeah it's definitely a process that's pretty crazy it also had a former military golf course. Now, Ooh. now we're talking sandpit. That's <laughs> called the Bayonet and Black Horse. <laughs> it became a public golf course in 1997, and it hosted PGA golf events. And then they were like, "Fuck this shit, we're moving to Pebble." Right. Going across the way, but yeah, it just seems like such a waste because those buildings are pretty rad. Yeah, but that makes sense. I guess we don't want to blow our people up. No. <laughs> 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 One one of the things that they mentioned in the sixteen nineteen podcast was the forty what was it Tanya forty acres. So one of the things that the government tried to do was to kind of appease uh, the situation at hand. Way to pay back what they had done wrong is that they put in a bill called forty acres and a mule, and that was the intent. With that, obviously, was to give them kind of a jump start. Seeming how the United States was built on the shoulders of slaves and hard work and labor. Minor detail. What's that? <laughs> Minor detail. Yeah. They, there was an agreement to hand over to the 4 million slaves that were let loose 40 acres and a mule. And much like the Lakota Indians and any other Native American on this lovely land that we took, we reneged on that. And <laughs> Shocker. No. <laughs> there are people still to this day on, on Facebook even, or like even to your face, especially with like the current administration. Like I always knew like... There's a wide variety of concepts of ideas out there, but I was a little taken back by how, what a huge concentrated number has these beliefs that I just simply don't understand. And it's just, it's just scary. I don't know. Yeah. So, so they, they made it to where once all the slaves were released, they were going, oh, I remember why. So... Somebody died, right? Isn't that how it got pulled back? 
Well, the person there was like maybe like a one legislative Hoover Dam of an individual, like a like a Maverick McCain kind of situation that you know was bipartisan and was able to get this to go through. And once I think they died, and I am really kind of not entirely sure about that. That's when they died. Everybody kind of took over. You know, around that time frame, you had a lot of African American folks that were part of the legislative system. And once this individual passed, they strong-armed those members of, of Congress and, and uh, made it so miserable for them that they, they, didn't, they weren't a part of the legislative process till you know, basically the 60s. So, yeah, because it was like they were prospering, it was working out, and then, they, then all the white people were like, hey! Uh, we can't have this, that. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have you, you people succeeding. What the hell? Because I feel like they had mentioned it some in the Finding Your Roots show also in like kind of happenstance. And I was, I just Googled this and the host, uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr. He has an article on PBS, says the truth behind 40 acres and a mule. And it says that that is actually also the name of Spike Lee's film company, oh, wow. which I don't think I realized. Now he's the he's the Harvard he's the Harvard professor who was arrested trying to get into his own home, right? Oh, I don't know. That was uh, when Obama was in office. That was when they sat down and had a conversation with him, the arresting police officer, and Obama with a glass of beer to try to come to the root cause as to why that happened. He was on vacation. He was in like China or something like that. And he came back home and his door, for whatever reason, was having some issues. And when he tried to get into his house, him and his like a driver or somebody else had to really forced the door open and a, a nearby resident called the police and thought it was a, a robber and there's a black man trying to break into that house no way a black man owns a house <laughs> when when the police officer came on scene this very well-educated man on the system of the man didn't really react well you know he, he'd been traveling he couldn't get into his house and now there's a police officer making him come out of his own house yeah. and he ended up ultimately being arrested it's pretty fucked up that's ridiculous well it's like that story of the um the one lady cop who like burst into the wrong apartment oh so that like, crazy bitch yeah. holy shit yeah. oh yeah, yeah 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 that oh god that was what texas i think shit. yeah i think it was texas yeah it, okay. and then did she actually had a relationship with the guy so it's like it was like super shady like wait she accidentally broke into her ex's apartment and murdered oh, him. Oh, I didn't know that. They were former lovers? <laughs> yeah, they apparently were involved like <gasps> at some point. There was like things uh -oh. linking that they had been like together at one point. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, so. That, I didn't know that either. That's crazy. Bad cop. No donut. <laughs> you you have no hole in your donut. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> your donut's been holed up. Uh, get it? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's crazy. All right. Well, I mean, white people, let's try to pull our heads out of our asses and uh, stop being dicks and, you know. Just be less shitty, everybody. <laughs> could you imagine if we took that much effort and did something good with it instead of doing something bad like this? <laughs> like... Mm -hmm. Imagine nah, the things we could accomplish. We don't do that shit. <laughs> right?
The things we could accomplish is if everybody tried to do something good. You would still get ahead and you would still succeed and you could still become filthy rich, but you could just do something good. Maybe there's something yeah. wrong with their hearing and they think that they all they need is head because they don't mind fucking slaves. They don't mind fucking people <sighs> over. They don't mind fucking anybody, quite frankly, for that matter. It seems to be the only parallel. Yeah, I, oh. Yep. It's, oh, you know, oh it's, world. Yeah, don't forget but, to vote this election. <laughs> yeah that's always kind of the thing it's it's we have a very in, individualistic view on society like a lot of people think it's all about me and what i'm doing what where i'm going who i'm caring for as opposed to like hey you know it, the whole reason of society is let's all just work together let's like if we all work together makes life easier if we all get along makes life easier so like let's just follow that motto but that's not a popular opinion i guess well think about <laughs> bring it bring it back around to the fungus I mean, yep. be interconnected. The, it's yeah, mutually beneficial. Live in harmony. Yeah. Yes, yes. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Happy Valentine's. Ting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this month's episode of Tripace Pod. Look forward to hearing our voices in your ear holes once again at the beginning of next month. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Tripace Pod on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud because it stimulates dopamine production in our brains every time you do. You can creep on us from afar at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at TriPacePod. And of course, check out show notes, contact information, and buy merch at TriPacePod.com. And as always, you're awesome. I'm back. There you go. Okay, Zencaster, what's going on there? You're still recording on your Audacity side, though. Yeah, so yeah. That'll be so. It's right. Still recording that, but yeah, I just it, like it just cut out, and then like it was yeah, like really just, quiet. All of a sudden, like, we were like, Are you guys I, there? like I literally saw you disappear <laughs> from the screen. I was like, oh, he he disappeared. Yeah. Is this like yeah. Spinal Tap? <laughs> I spontaneously combusted. <laughs>